um, some really big influencers promote from the beginning and then you go on their Instagram and they don't have much of an audience or anything like that. And it doesn't really get you that riled up to, to follow them and, and be part of that brand. And then the next thing you know. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ecom Growth Show. Let's go. Cool guys. Well, welcome back to the Ecom Growth Show, where we talk about all things in regards to growing your online store. And uh, we cover the paid ad side things pretty well. I'd say that's where we put most of our focus, but we get a lot of other questions outside of that. And so one thing we're diving into today is going to be the topic of influencer marketing. So we have Ramon Barrios with us. Hopefully I didn't mess up the last name too bad. Um, of Trend.io and uh, Nathan Otwell, obviously Chief Marketing Officer of Shopanova. We're just gonna ask him some questions and he's gonna shed some light on uh, you know, what influencer marketing is, how you can use it, all the goods. So Nathan, do you wanna kick us off with, with some questions or we wanna do a little introduction? Whatever you guys wanna do here, we're, we're ready to rip. Sure. Uh, so as if, if anybody's been watching the show, they kind of know that I have a background in uh, Walmart shopping marketing and working with suppliers on the Walmart side of things, how they can, you know, advertise, whether it was in-store.com, whatever the case may be. And one of the things that we had that was always important was our social side of things. And with social, there's different types of social. So like the brand would always kind of tell us like we want to use either paid traffic or we want to use organic or maybe an influencer strategy. That was kind of our social. A lot of social was actually, a lot of the budget for social was actually put towards influencer campaigns. And uh, so, you know, having Ramon on here to kind of explain what an influencer strategy really looks like and how it can benefit an online store owner. You know, that was really kind of what triggered my thinking whenever I started talking with Ramon a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, Ramon, introduce yourself and tell us kind of a little bit about what you've been doing. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Robbie and Nathan, for for having me here. I'm excited for this just because as you guys, uh, you know, uh, talk so much to your customers about paid ads and there are other topics in advertising that they want to discover. We face uh, the same situation on our, on our end with our customers where, you know, we tell them a lot about influencer marketing, but there's a lot of overlapping and crossover uh, to other areas of advertising that while we might not cover, um, you know, it's inevitable that the, the two are synergistic. And um, so I'm sure that a lot of people could find a lot of value out of this conversation. But um, to our end, I'm the CEO founder of uh, Trend.io, where we built an invite-only network in a marketplace where brands can connect with creators. And our marketplace consists mostly of uh, micro-influencers. We work with consumer brands only, so anything in the CPG, food, fashion, beauty, beverage, um, and, and every other uh, consumer packaged goods. Um, so we work with brands that are just launching. We work with brands that have $50 million in revenue and everything in between. Um, and throughout the past years, you know, we, we started as an agency doing this manually. So um, we've been able to understand the whole process and the whole journey of what it's like to start an influencer campaign, what are all the options out there, um, and which one should probably 
um, would be best according to the stage of your business and what your goals are. Sure. Uh, real quick, micro-influencer. What exactly is a micro-influencer? I know a lot of people, you know, they talk about influencer campaigns. And I think that the general conception is like, you know, going out there and paying like Conor McGregor or yeah. uh, one of the Jenner or yeah. Kylie yeah. or whatever, like to know maybe 250, 500 grand for a post yeah. or something like that. And so a lot of people have this misconception that, you know, they have to have that huge, huge budget to pay mm -hmm. an influencer. But what is a micro influencer from your yeah. perspective? So, so when you look at, you know, somebody like Conor McGregor or one of the Jenners, um, you, you basically, you know, what are you trying to get to? So when you ask somebody that wants to work with someone like that, the underlying truth is that all they're looking for is social proof. And there are many ways to achieve that other than spending all of your budget on one uh, person. So micro influencers have, you know, a, a trend we define a micro influencer somebody that has anywhere from three to about a hundred thousand followers. But the median of a micro influencer is like 15 to 25,000 followers. That would be kind of like the sweet spot. And then you have the nano influencers like 3000 and, and under, uh, but micro influencers will typically have a really engaged audience because they, they can interact much closer with everyone that follows them and keep in touch with them. Um, but also they are on the come up. So they want to continue to rise to that level of a million followers. So they put a lot more effort into the campaigns that they do. Whereas Conor McGregor, he's got a bunch of other revenue streams and the performance of that campaign is not going to, going to define the success of his career. So when you work with these micro influencers, a lot of their, um, I mean, some of them, are trying to make this a career path and that's one of our missions at trend is to allow them to do that so they will do the best work possible meaning create um, the best content possible and try to go above and beyond uh, for the brand so the brand gets the performance the the influencer can build that reputation and then uh, bottom line that the brand gets that that social proof I mean um, you can achieve more social proof by leveraging a ton of micro influencers across different verticals than using, you know, one uh, Connor McGregor post or something like that. And it doesn't mean like, Hey, you know, don't, don't get Connor McGregor as your <laughs> influencer if you do have the budget. But what a lot of brands miss is that in order for you to attract an influencer like that, they need to know more about, okay, what's your brand about? Who's behind this? I can't just, I don't care if you have the money, I can't just jump on this. So mm -hmm. in order for you to attract higher, higher quality influencers to have people come to you, you need to create that base with those micro influencers so that by the time you start reaching out to let's say people with 500,000 followers or something like that, okay, well, there's been people promoting this, people that align with my brand, it's not just, you know, an uh, Instagram profile with an eye of that, uh, the default icon as the profile picture. So, um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It, I really like understanding that a little bit more because, uh, I I'd say, uh, one of the coolest things about talking with you in, in conversations previous to this is you've just solved a lot of the problems that most e-com store owners have when it, when it, comes to influencer marketing. And I just know there's a ton of misconceptions out there because of a micro influencer versus a, you know, a macro one or, or you know, really looking at the two different levels 
Um, so yeah, that's, that's really great. Yeah. One more thing, uh, since you, since you touched on that with a micro influencer, you're likely going to have through an agency that manages them or something like that. I mean, I've, I've studied extensively the music industry and while it's different, it kind of is like, you know, kind of like the music industry in the early days where, uh, most of these large influencers will have an agency and now you see companies like, like Spotify and everything disrupting that just like they're doing with the podcast industry. Um, so there is a lot of room for innovation, but we've seen all those things where no brand wants to deal with an agent for every single influencer that they want to contract. It's just not a scalable process. So that's one of the reasons why we work with micro influencers because it's so much easier to negotiate we pre-negotiated the rates. Um, brands don't have to worry about that. Whereas with really big influencers, um, that just likely wouldn't be the case. And since you're also not going to work at volume with them, it probably wouldn't even make sense to use a platform because you're working with an agent. You're not activating, you know, dozens of influencers of that size. Uh, some brands maybe would, but you know. Um, not enough of, uh, not really our, our core um, customer base. Sure. So let's jump into what exactly goes into an influencer campaign and how do you use campaigns to form a strategy with influencer marketing? Yeah. So I guess an influencer campaign, um, just as a, a paid advertising campaign, you know, always starts with a goal. So you know, it's really important to know why you're doing this. Um, hopefully you're not doing this because you just watch a Gary Vaynerchuk video and you're amped up on <laughs> getting some influences going for your brand. My favorite. So um, it, all, it, all starts from, um, it all starts from understanding, you know, why is it that you want to do it? And some of the reasons could be, look, we've, we, we, we have a repeatable process on our ads. We have all that figured out. We want to figure out a new revenue stream um, or, Hey, we haven't figured out our ads yet. We're going to test that, but we want to first test this. We want to get some social proof up for our website before um, going and spending our money on ads. And then uh, the third, I guess a third use case could be um, what uh, trends core offering is, Hey, we don't have as much content for social proof and user generated content for our ads. Um, we want to get some of that out there, um, spread the word a little bit. Um, so that way we're prepared to um, launch our ads and vice versa. You could do, you know, Hey, we've, we've been running ads, but we're starting to cap out on our ROAS and we need um, a bigger variety of content. We need to split tests at a new level. So um, we have brands that will split test a hundred pieces of content in a single month. Um, and a content studio has four walls, right? Like they can only create um, so much um, type of content. So number one, um, understand why you're trying to do it. Uh, of course, have a, have a clear goal and expectation. Um, when we talk with our customers, creating an influencer campaign to generate X amount of revenue is probably never a great idea. It's more of a social proof and brand creation, content creation, um, 
type of marketing uh, effort that if you come in with that expectation and knowing that you're probably going to succeed. But the fact that a platform like Instagram limits you to only do a swipe up on, on a URL, um, you, I mean, you've really limited um, what kind of conversions you're gonna get from there. So if you come with that expectation, um, chances are you're going to be open-minded to understanding all the other benefits and how to capitalize on those. So um, one last point I'll add to the direct attribution is that now you see Facebook shops, Instagram shops, you see TikTok trying for you to buy stuff. And these platforms know how much capital is, how much, how much money is out there in, in closing that conversion. So the links are going to be wiped out. I mean, all the attribution is going to happen in there. So um, we, we focus on finding other ways of measuring that ROI. So I would define an influencer um, campaign with the first step of just knowing what it is you want, having an open-minded to listening to, to being open-minded, of course, for the experts to, to advise on what they would recommend specifically for your brand. Um, and definitely having a budget um, to it as long as expectations are aligned. That's awesome. And so uh, to kind of dive into it and just like really quick jump into the weeds on pretty detail specific stuff. So like pretend I'm an e-commerce store owner and I'm wanting to, you know, launch a new product. If I come, you know, to somebody who's an expert in influencer marketing and we're looking at putting together a campaign or a strategy, um, if w what is like the best best way to start? Are we like trying to match our product with uh, an influencer where that product would fit well with them? Or just, can you just describe it in a little bit more detail, like? what actually is the the campaign piece of that yeah so i think if you're just if you're just uh starting out and you're trying to uh, find your first influencer so you have three different routes and one is you go at it yourself you go and source the influencers yourself you pay for a database to get access and filtering for all kinds of influencers and then decides which one to reach out to and kind of treat it like a CRM operation. Um, or you could use a network, um, which is kind of like trend style. But if you're going at it, I, I would probably not recommend a database. It's just huge fees. Um, they only have so many people cost five to $10,000. Um, and you still have to do just as much work as if you were going to do it yourself. So let's go by the doing it yourself route where if you were to do it yourself, um, I would recommend, you know, there's probably templates out there such as Airtable or something like that, uh, where you could um, manage the process because there are so many little moving parts that um, you would lose a ton of money if you do it wrong. And as an example, one of those moving parts is, okay, well, first of all, you have to vet the, the influencers that you're reaching out to. You have to make sure that um, they have a real audience and you could do some really, um, high level stuff to to define if they actually have a real audience or not like if the same people are commenting on their posts over and over chances are it's not a real audience if it has a lot of followers and the content isn't good that doesn't add up um, if the content is good typically by default um, you know real people are, are going to want to be engaged with the audience so um, I think the most important part when sourcing is just making sure that the person, the person's 
personal brand is aligned with your brand. So you could even look at what kind of brands do they follow? What kind of brands do they engage with? You don't need any crazy software that, you know, defines every single brand that they've worked with in the past because those platforms, all they do is they just scrape that information and guess it. They're not getting that information from Facebook. Um, so it's an algorithm they've created. So you can just see what kind of brands they, they've worked with, um, who they follow. Um, I think it's really important. And then when I would, I would not, this used to work in the past where brands would just reach out by DM or, or email and say, hey, we'll just send you a product and just let us know what you think. Um, the space is so saturated that a lot of the product will end up being stolen um, and the influencer will just not respond. So, yeah, that's that's the big one I hear. So that's yeah. that's what I'm, I'm really excited toward the end of this to talk a little bit more about some of the solutions you've been able to provide. But I think that's like if uh, a new online store owner is looking to do influencer marketing, that's what they do. They just look for cool people on Instagram and they DM them. And then, you know, that relationship falls apart pretty quickly without a structure. They'll send them product and then they're not held accountable. And like there, there's just a, it's a convoluted system for somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. Um, it'll work like it'll work, but you only get to work with five people. And then the process is going to really suck. And you're going to say this isn't for me. Um, yeah. And then your other end of the solution is the platform that costs thirty thousand dollars. And you just say screw this and you missed on the whole potential of mm. um, actually creating a system to scale the process. Love it. And I think that's what we hear a lot with influencer marketing, like from, from clients that we have, it's a lot of like bad taste in your mouth type of stuff. Yeah. Cause the, like, you know, you, you hear stories like that and it's just like, Oh, okay, well I'm never going to do that again. And, mm -hmm. and in reality, they need the social proof. They need the, you know, a YouTube review video, or they need a, you know, a quote, or they need content, like you were saying, pictures, images, videos for their paid ads or their website, whatever the case may be. And if that type of situation leaves a bad taste in their mouth, then they have to go find another outlet for that. And it just becomes this constant wheel that they're yeah. that they're churning yeah i mean uh, i deal with that every single day I, I i talk most brands have a really bad taste in their mouth for influencer marketing and um that's just because of the nature of the platforms so there are over a thousand influencer marketing platforms out there but there's only like 10 leading ones and out of those 10 eight have raised a ton of venture capital where they're forced to creating these subscription models and these payment plans that literally don't make any sense for the brands. Um, as I'm sure you guys know, you know, marketing can be seasonal. There can be product launches, then they can take breaks. And um, the, the way that when we talk with brands that have said, Hey, we've been burned before their burns are pretty big. You know, they'll come to us and say, Hey, we have 10 months left in our contract for this platform that we paid ten thousand dollars for and um it's it's a it's a lot of work that goes behind reframing uh the prospect's mind to giving them an opportunity to try it out again with a low um risk uh, barrier yeah. so let's let's talk about the like when it comes to somebody that's running an influencer campaign or influencer strategy 
You know, I've dealt with, like I said, I've dealt with huge, huge budget clients. I've dealt mm-hmm. with brands that had $5 million to put towards an influencer strategy. Mm-hmm. But we also deal with clients that are in that, you know, $10,000 a month revenue to $50,000 a month revenue range. Mm-hmm. Who is, who can really benefit from this micro influencer model that you're kind of talking about? I've seen, honestly, I've seen brands like you could look at um, a company like Gymshark has done this from when they were in that level and they still do it um, today. Uh, the, the thing is that it becomes, it's, it's exactly what you touched on earlier. The moment you get burned, um, it's the moment, like the moment you step out of it, it's really mm-hmm. hard to step back in. So ideally, the company will be doing this from the very early days. And it's a really, um, it's, it's, it's the reason for why the brand is so powerful that was able to get, um, to that larger revenue point. Like Gymshark is a perfect example. And I know it's a, it's a company using a bunch of case studies and stuff, but they, they really have pioneered, um, using the micro influencer, um, all the way from the start to, to where they are now. So my answer, I guess, would be you could use it at both levels. It's easier to implement. I think on the early days, okay. um, think about, let's say Frito-Lay or Chips, uh, Chips Ahoy or whatever, trying to do like um, a micro-influencer campaign. It's mostly a new indie trendy brand that micro-influencers are going to want to be a part of. They're part of that community. The brand treats them like a community, which is is where the whole ambassador thing comes into play. Uh, but it's very hard for a company like Doritos or whatever to do something like that. And people aren't too pumped up to be part of that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. And so at what level do you feel like it, it starts to sh- like, if you're a, a brand who's gone from the ground up to, you know, several million uh, a year or, or whatever, at what point does does your influencer strategy shift from like the micro influencers into something a little bit bigger? Like are the, the bigger influencers, is that mainly for the brands that we all, that are all already household brands? Or is that something where like, if there is, you know, maybe a $12 million company, is that time for them to start looking into, you know, using maybe a Conor McGregor or something like that? I think you could even get there earlier. Like I think once you pass, I think once you're in the 5 million range or something like that, I think you can get really creative of how to get people like that on board. And in fact, I believe that baking in some participation in your company, um, you know, identify your top five to 10 influencers in your industry and bring them on uh, to the company with some KPI incentives and have them participate in your company. Mm. Um, Because at that level, if they are going to be the spokesperson of your industry, you don't want to just pay those people, uh, those people once to do a post and then forget you. Um, Mm. The whole industry listens to them every day. So Mm. we've seen brands that, you know, literally give them compensation all throughout, uh, all throughout, I mean, equity-based compensation um, mm. in the company based on specific KPIs. Uh, so I think you can get creative in ways to, to, to get to work with influencers like that, even from the start. Although I probably wouldn't recommend that at, 
all the way from the start. We've probably seen brands that um, some really big influencers promote from the beginning. And then you go on their Instagram and they don't have much of an audience or anything like that. And it doesn't really get you that riled up to, to follow them and, and be part of that brand. And then next thing you know, you know, after Cristiano Ronaldo does 10 posts of that brand, um, it's only going to do uh, so much. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I've even, um, I've noticed that big, big brands are even starting to catch on to, mm-hmm. you know, the way, the way the, the culture is going with media and, you know, they're, they're hopping on YouTubers and they're hopping. I mean, you look at Ryan's toy reviews, right? Mm-hmm. With Ryan, Walmart inked a deal with his parents or his agent or whoever, his company, um, and now Ryan's Toy Reviews actually has a brand of toys inside of Walmart. That's and wild, he's doing yeah. appearances and all that stuff. I mean, that's one example. And I sent over another example this past weekend. I saw that uh, Gillette did a paid sponsorship with uh, Spice Adams. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that guy. He's, he's the one that does like the, the this is what your uncle looks like. And he's got like the fedora <laughs> and the, the grill and barbecue sandals on. And he stuff. does his old yes. heads impression. <laughs> Dude, he, that guy cracks me up. Being a big company, that's why Procter & Gamble's influencer marketing strategy is just acquiring companies that have done it well. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they literally, I think, I mean, that's a, a, I think I was talking about this with a few friends the other day. It's just an easier strategy for them because they cannot purchase, a, you, you can't purchase the image of a brand. No matter how much money you have, it's something that has to be built from day one, which is mm-hmm. why they're willing to pay, say, I don't know, billion or, or more cash for a company than try and start it. Um, themselves because that that brand reputation has to be ingrained uh, from mm-hmm. day one. And so I this brings up a good point. I saw that uh, Ors and Alps is a men's personal care, and for the most part, they're one hundred percent like I don't even know if they have any kind of distribution in store. I think it's one hundred percent online e-commerce, you know, through their own channel, that type of thing. The type of client that we typically work with, and I think it was a couple of weeks ago or maybe even a month ago, they signed a deal with DeAndre Hopkins to be their, their spokesmodel. And this is what I consider, you know, they're a, they're, they're a larger brand, but they're not really a household brand yet. You know what I mean? They're not Dove Men's Plus Care. Yeah. It's, it's more of a private, you know, kind of smaller, I guess, uh, brand that I would consider hiring somebody like DeAndre Hopkins who probably charges, you know, millions and millions of dollars to be the spokesperson for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an example of like how, you know, Gillette picking up Spice Adams is an example of a, a large brand going after more micro type of person. And then you've got Orson Alps, a smaller, not necessarily household brand going after somebody like DeAndre Hopkins. So I think that, you know, two different people going after a different strategy, like you said, to not only create the brand, but then how do we keep the brand in front of every household name? Mm-hmm. How do we keep how do we keep our brand relevant to the new generation? Mm-hmm. That type of thing. 
I mean, yeah. And going back to the influencer campaign thing, that's why there's so many, there's so many aspects and details behind an influencer campaign. Whereas when you look at the companies that have succeeded with, with this, they've ingrained, they've ingrained the brand, even in the packaging, even in the way that their customers receive their emails, when they receive their first order, the copy on that first text message from the brand. So when we work with brands, that's why, you know, some brands will, will reach out to us and say, Hey, I got, I got a thousand dollars for, for posts. How much money am I going to get back? And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it doesn't necessarily work like that because, and I can't guarantee it because there's so many aspects to that. Um, the, I mean, we've seen products that we've seen companies that, um, are, you know, fortune 1000 that, uh, do a campaign with more, let's say 50 micro influencers and the return is really low. And then we see a micro brand that has this really micro community on Twitter and everyone is raving about the packaging, uh, unboxing process. They, they will use half the amount of influencers that that big brand use and get an insane return on sales. And it's because, you know, they've, they've ingrained that brand, uh, even in the packaging, even in, in how they communicate with, with their audience. So um, that the campaign itself has to be connected to every uh, part of the customer journey. Yeah. And it speaks that like anytime you're working with, uh, you know, outsourcing a piece of your marketing, whether it be paid ads, influencing it, or influencers, it's always a collaboration between the brand and the marketing and, and the customers. And it's always takes everybody coming in and working together for it to be successful. Because if someone comes and they try to, you know, blow their stuff out to a ton of influencers, but then they're not following up with good customer service, or like you said, something cool, like from the brand, like it's just going to fizzle out. And so there's that collaborative effort. The other thing I wanted to say is that the longer I'm in business, the more you you pick up on these things that you got to hold in in tension or in balance. And there's always this tension around like, you know, having massive brand authority, but also the idea that people buy from people. And so I think that's the reason you see somebody like Gillette going after a person like like Spice Adams to really start pushing their products because at the end of the day, it's all about relationship. But at the same time, like not, nobody's just going to buy directly from a person if there's no brand behind it. So it's all about that balance as well, which sounds like a cliche, but it's, it's true. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And also, I mean, it also, let's say you get a person like that to promote your brand that is just launched. You could all, you could even hurt your brand by using somebody way too big when the brand is just launching out because the person is just going to overshadow the entire the entire brand of the product for the product's history. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's levels to it and you should always be aware um, of that. But I want to touch on one more thing that you just mentioned is that not every influencer campaign should also have the goal of being purchases. Like you could, since you mentioned the, I, I believe you just mentioned something about the communication process or nobody would follow up or something like that, um, you could use, you You would be surprised of how powerful influencer campaigns could be for lead capturing and then lead nurturing. And then you could have, you know, um, experts at Chopinova uh, figure out how to uh, grab those leads and, and convert them on, an, on a completely different funnel, even through retargeting. I mean, we work with 
um, a bunch of brands that are probably, you know, they'll come to us as a question and we say, well, are you retargeting, you know, all of those people that visited that landing page and then we don't hear back from the brand. So um, it, it, there's a lot of room for creating that conversion in other areas. And I bet you're going to have a lot more impact in doing that than trying to do it just from, you know, an affiliate link. Mm-hmm. Sure. So Ramon, I'm going to kind of give you uh, a couple minutes to shine and flex here. If somebody's inf- interested in an influencer campaign strategy, whatever the case may be, how do they get started? What does the process look like? And what's like your best case study to date? Yeah, so um, how you get, so Trenda has pretty much taken an approach where we've de-risked the the risk there is for brands to try influencer marketing and, um, you know, our message is that we're gonna let the product do the talking. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that being said, Trend doesn't have any subscriptions or contracts or software fees. Uh, We've pre-negotiated the rates to work with every micro-influencers and campaigns are $100. We give you, the micro-influencer does the post, and we give you the the licensing rights to the content so you can repurpose that on Instagram ads, Google ads, shopping ads, Facebook ads, wherever you want to repurpose that so you're killing two birds with one stone there um there's no money back guarantee so once again there's absolutely uh no risk it's uh on our website trend.io there's a demo of the product there's a pricing page with full transparency um pricing is the same for every single brand um we've hand vetted every single creator in our network so every single person we make sure that they have over 95 percent of their audience based in us that they're high quality content creators um and that they have real engagement and you can work with us whether you want to work with five influencers uh, which is our minimum or you want to work with 100 or 200 um it's totally up to you uh, so if you go on trend.io and you can schedule a call with us, you can um, get started on your own. You get an account manager um, that helps you out as well. Uh, one of our best case studies, I think one of our best use cases and what we keep leaning towards is use the influencers for the social proof aspect, use the content to make real ROI, close them on another funnel outside. So um you know, don't really worry about getting, giving them an affiliate link and, and closing those, um, get, getting their audience to convert on that one post. Don't go for that. You should probably go for giveaways or lead capturing or something like that. And you can retarget. I mean, if you get 20 influencers to um, send out a link to all of their audiences and you were, you're able to retarget everyone that visited those links, you can, you can then worry about closing those people in, in another side of the funnel. Um, so our best case study has been with a company called Kettle and Fire where um, we created user-generated content for them and we increased their ROS by 4X. So they had a studio uh, image uh, from a photography studio that charged them like $15,000 for a photo shoot and they had the best performing piece of content uh, that performed for years so they always use it 
Um, we created some UGC from Trend, ran the same exact ad with UGC versus that professional picture, and it, it outperformed by 4X um, the return on ad spend. And the picture cost $100. Um, and it was same exact targeting, same exact audience, um, but user-generated content performs really well, which um, is, is our core focus. So uh, that, that's, that's what we focus on. I wonder on. how that pill tasted whenever they were swallowing that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a tough one to swallow for sure. That's awesome, man. Well, well thanks again for, for joining us. And like you said, if, if that's something you guys want to jump into, head over to his site, trend.io. Um, I know we have some clients that are already engaging you in those services, so we're excited to do exactly what you just described, like send it out to the influencer marketing, you know, hope for some purchases there, but then capturing that content and using it, you know, across all marketing platforms and all marketing strategies. And then, you know, seeing the ROI build, you know, not from one tiny piece, but the whole marketing system working together. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's what we do, right? We provide the software, the network, so you don't have to worry about that. But I'm sure that the guys at Shopanova will know how to build those funnels and, and, and nurture uh, those prospects all the way until they convert. That's something we don't work on. So that's why I was really excited about being on this call. So um, thank you for having me here. And we'll have to do this on the trend side um, and have Shopanova uh have their flex time. <laughs> yeah. Any, any time, man. We do, we do plenty of that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Well, thanks again. And we'll catch you guys later.